Wow. Good morning, Harvest in the West. Good morning, Harvest in the West. I said, why? Because the worship. This is the only place you can experience something like that. Where the Lord is, there is fullness of, of joy. I'm so glad to be here. My name is Michel Paul, and this is my beautiful wife, Monique. We are from St. Vincent, and God knows why he placed Monique in my, in my life. I'm the bad one. She's the good one. God, God placed her in my life, you know, for my own sanctification. Because there are many times in my life I, I could have been in trouble, but because I have her, God led me in other paths. And we have two boys, Loic and Lawrence. Loic is nine years old, and Lawrence is going to be six in February. So we seven in February. And we have been married for 10 years. And for her to be married, you know, after 10 years to someone like me, it is a milestone. <laughs> and uh, we are very happy, you know, to serve, to serve the Lord. And um, uh, you will know more about us because we are going to spend, you know, uh, uh, a few weeks with you before we leave, before we go back to St. Vincent. But I must say that I'm thankful to God for this opportunity, for this undeserved honor to be here on this stage. Pastor Doug, Karen is not here today, but we want to say thank you. Pastor Nate and Amy, thank you for your warm welcome. It is also our privilege and pleasure to be, host, to be hosted by Larry and Denise. Oh my goodness. What a time we have had together. Larry and Denise, thank you for opening your home and your hearts to us. We've been eating all the food that they have in the house. Now they have nothing to eat. <laughs> and to all the other pastors of the church and their wives, and to you, our Indi-West family, thank you for having us. But I'm especially uh, thankful to God and I'm humbled by this opportunity to share God's word with you today. And I would say like David, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Our text is taken from 1 Samuel 17, verses 4 to 11. We're going to look at also verses 23 to 37 and verse 50. And to give you the context of this passage, I will only read verses 4 to 11. And if you are using the Bible behind your seat, it's on page 230, I think. It's the story of David and Goliath. Verses 4 to 11. 
And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. God, thank you for your word. Give us the strength to face the challenges and the battles of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You might have heard uh, this story before. Let me tell you, it's not from me. But there was uh, an elderly lady. She was well known for her faith and her boldness in talking about it. She would stand on her front porch and shout, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Next door to her, live an atheist. An atheist is somebody who doesn't believe in the existence of God. And he would get so angry at her proclamations, and he would shout, There is no God! There is no God! Close your mouth! Hot times set in on the elderly lady, and she prayed for God to send some to send for her some, some assistance. She stood on the porch and shouted, God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Please, Lord, send me some groceries. The next morning, the lady went out on her porch and noted a large bag of groceries and shouted, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! The neighbor jumped from behind a bush and said, Aha! Aha! I told you there was no God. I told you there was no God. God didn't put this back there. I put it. Now, the lady started 
to jump, starting jumping up and down and clapping their hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God didn't just send me groceries, but he made the, the devil pay for them. <laughs> Not everything in this world makes sense sometimes. But scripture reminds us that God never fails. And he will certainly never fail those whose faith is absolute in him. Loved ones, if we can only see the vision and focus on it, we can also see the promise. There is nothing of eternal significance anyone in this world can achieve without having unwavering faith in God. Is that easy? No way. But not until, but not until we are ready to walk by faith and not by sight, we will never see the impossible manifestation of God's mighty hands in our lives. And we see that all throughout Scripture. In this narrative, I love narrative, there's a call to be brave. There's also a picture which shows this is the way God works. I hope at the end of this sermon, you will understand the need to walk by faith and not by sight. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can face my giant. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can face my giant. In the picture appears a little shepherd boy. His name was David. When we looked into his life, we found a faithful shepherd boy who was just delivering supplies to his three older brothers. We are told back in 1 Samuel 16 that David had been chosen by God and had been anointed to be the future king of Israel. This means that after David had been anointed to be the future king of Israel, God had appointed him to fight Goliath. Now, I don't want you to overlook an interesting truth that is right here before us. It makes no difference who you are, loved ones. It makes, it makes no difference who you think you are or how good of a Christian you, you are or you may be. There are going to be times in your life when God will appoint you and allow you to face a giant. And you will not be able to grow in your walk with Christ until you confront that giant. Loved ones, when my wife and I decided to apply to go to the training center to Chicago for church planting, everything turned upside down. On the 26th of January 2015, Almost one year ago, our second son, Lawrence, fell from a 12-foot wall 
on his head. And we're going to put the picture for you to see. He fell from a 12-foot wall on his head. And this is our son, second son at the hospital. We're outside playing, bathing the dogs, and I went inside just to get a towel. What we saw, it was his older brother who was bringing him inside. It was sad. And let me tell you, the unthinkable almost happened. And two days before we went to Chicago for the training center, the time when we needed our vehicle the most, because, you know, you have your last ones to do, the last two days, two days before, our vehicle broke down. Pastor Al had to come at 10 o'clock in the night to give us a ride to go home. My wife, while we were at the training center, received a letter from the government that she has been dismissed from her work because they didn't want to give her the leave to go to Chicago. Loved ones, it's, it was storms, storms after storms, storms after storms, challenges after challenges. But what this passage is telling us, it's telling us that personal battles and difficult circumstances will come, but we must walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? It means don't get discouraged by what you are seeing. Don't get discouraged by the difficult situation. Rather, you must see the bigger picture and understand why God has called you to do his work. Listen, the giant can be very intimidating. And we are going to look at verses 4 to 11. We're going to see that. When you hear the name Goliath, you picture that big monster coming to you. Nine feet, nine inches tall. He makes me look like a dwarf. And listen to what Goliath said to the Israelites in verses 8 to 10. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? In other words, am I not a bad man? Why are you coming to fight with me? And are you not servant of Saul? Choose a man. Hmm. And let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servant. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servant our servants and serve us. He continues. And then he said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. Loved ones, you will face opposition for carrying the name of Christ. When you repented and you placed your faith in Christ, you were adopted in the family of God. 
When you are adopted in the family of God, you bear that family name. The name of our Savior can cause many attacks on you. And in John 15, verse 19, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Loved ones, expect opposition. I want you to know something important that is happening here in this passage. In Genesis 12, we have to go to the beginning. In Genesis 12, we have a clear picture of how the history of the people of Israel began. And, and God said to Abraham at that time, because he has not changed his, his, his name, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And this is exactly what is happening here with Goliath. Goliath is, disor- is disrespecting eh, the people of Israel. But God, as the creator of all things, is not following our plan. God is not following my plan. God is not following your plan. He's not following somebody's script. He wrote the book. He wrote this book. He wrote the Bible. So he's going to fulfill every promise to you. Walk by faith and not by sight. Many times our lens picks up a giant ahead and suddenly he fills the whole screen until the giant is, the all, is all we can see. But let me tell you, your Goliath doesn't carry sword or shield, but he, be, he brings blades of opposition. Your Goliath doesn't carry sword or shield, he, be blades of, he brings blades of criticism, blades of rejection, blades of pessimism. Your giant will not go up and down, and down the, the hills of Elah, like in the case of Goliath, but he will come to your office, he will come to your neighborhood, he will come to your community, he will come to your church. But what I'm telling you, you can face your giant and you know how he walks, you know how he talks, you know his voice, and you have God's word as your most powerful weapon. Face your giant with the word of God because the God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make a miracle out of you. Walk by faith and not by sight. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can chase my giant. I can chase my giant. To chase your giant, you cannot be intimidated by, intimidated by him. Otherwise, he'll take over your territory and move right into your camp. While giants boast of their strength and intimidate you, they move closer, closer, and closer. They'll dominate your thoughts. They they will steal your joy. They will take your peace. You must chase them. For some... It is the Goliath of habitual sin that meets you in the valley of weakness to continually intimidate you 
and rob you of your personal joy, of your hope and freedom. In that sense, many of us, many of us here are facing a giant right now. But how can I chase my giant? I can say I can chase my giant when I see my opposition from God's view. Listen, loved ones, things will be different when we start to see what God sees. My question for you today, do you see what everybody sees or do you see what God sees? When David heard Goliath's challenge in verse 25, he says, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. In other words, why doesn't somebody take care of that loud mouth? As a martial artist, I would have, I would have said the same. But David had to follow God's plan. The soldiers are saying to David, David, do you see that guy? He's like a mountain out there. You would, not, you would not last five seconds, David. David, don't you see him? Yes, David sees him. David sees him, but he also sees something else that nobody in the army of Israel had seen. David saw that Goliath was not only defying Israel, but he was also defying Israel's God. He was not only minimizing them, he was also minimizing the power of the God. Notice David's answer in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the, for the man who killed this Philistine and takes away the, the, the reproach from Israel? Notice David's answer in verse 26 is the key to the entire story. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this reproach, this, this disgrace? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Wait a minute, did you hear that? Not the army of Israel. Not the army of Saul, not the army of David, but the armies of the living God. And that made all the difference. In the same way, we will face opposition when we are going to plant a church. We must say like David, who are those people to stand against us? Go to Scripture. Because God says in Matthew 16, verse 18, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Go to scripture, loved ones, when you face opposition. And Romans 8, 31 says, if God is with us, who can be against us? If David had walked by sight, you would have noticed a much stronger opponent with more battle experience. Of course, Goliath has a lot of experience in battle. 
But David was not walking by sight. He was walking by faith. He didn't come in fear, but in faith. Israel saw Goliath as an immovable object. Nobody could move Goliath. But David saw him from God's point of view. You must see your opposition from God's, from God's point of view. See the difficult situation, the difficult circumstances in your life from God's point of view. David says he's blocking the way of God. Let's go get him. But let me tell you, loved ones, David was no match for Goliath. A little shepherd boy. But when you bring God into the equation... Everything changes. No matter what you are facing in your life, when you bring God into the equation, everything changes. Loved ones, many times we fail to win the battle because of the simple obstacle of sight. Many giants will show up on the way to block you, to prevent the realization of God's purpose in your lives. Instead of giving, giving up, Walk by faith and not by sight because God is able to do all what he said he would do. He's going to fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God because he will never give up on you. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can face my giant. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can chase my giant. And the third one is, when I walk by faith and not by sight, God can erase my giant. I, I, want, I want you to see the change here. Because you can face your giant. You can chase your giant. But the final decision belongs to God. And I, many times, people, people present David as the hero of the story. David is not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. You can face your difficult situation. You can chase the person who is fighting with you. But the final decision belongs to God. Because God is the one who says, I will, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. Why should you be afraid? And when God is going to erase your giant, he's, he's asking you to do four things. Number one, don't get distracted by the criticism of others when you face a personal battle. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to them, when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, Eliab is telling David, when you come here, I know your heart. I know what you want to do. But with whom did you leave those sheep trying to humiliate David? In the same way, people will try to humiliate you. Number two, avoid wasting precious energy fighting the wrong enemy. 
I am rhyming. Rhyming. Avoid wasting precious energy fighting the wrong enemy. Look at verse 29 to 31. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. Focus on the real cause and remember your past victories. Look at verse 28. It reveals the attitude of Eliab, David's oldest brother. He questioned his ability. He made fun of his responsibilities with the sheep and then accused him of having false motives. But who has false motives? Is it Eliab? Eliab is the one who has false motives because when you fight, because God wanted the person who was going to become the king of Israel to be a man of war. So Eliab was thinking about the glory that he would have in the war. And he wanted to take all that glory for himself. So he was accusing David of having false motives. Listen, loved ones, a world where there isn't someone trying to pull you apart does not exist. We'll find that. A world where there is somebody trying to pull you apart does not exist. In this world that we live, it will always happen. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story. Somebody say, Toto. Say, Toto. Toto. I'm going to give the story of a, of a guy named Toto. He was a police officer. Toto, some police officers, I'm not saying he in the United States, but it happened back home, they believe that when, for them to get promotion, those mainly who work in traffic, they will get promotion fast, faster when they give you a ticket. The more tickets they give, that they see that they are doing their work. But Toto is the, the synonym for little journey. Toto is very dumb. Toto is very ignorant. But there was a guy who was driving a motorbike during the night. But Toto is looking for, so, like, 12 o'clock in the night, Toto is looking for somebody to give a ticket. Toto cannot find somebody. And Toto saw somebody coming on a motorbike. And Toto... Blew his whistle. Stop! What are you doing here at this time of the night? Eh? You alone on a motorbike. What are you doing? You can get killed. I'm going to give you a ticket. And the guy said, no, no, please. Don't give me a ticket. Don't give me a ticket. I'm just going home. 
Toto said, no, I'm going to give you a ticket because you are alone on the bike at this time. And the guy said, no, 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 I'm not alone because I have God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with me. And Toto said, aha, now I'm going to give, to give you a ticket because you have too many persons on the bike. <laughs> As I told you, in this world, you will always find somebody to try to pull you apart. But this passage should make you happy. But I know many times Satan wants to distract us and get us fighting the wrong battles. And many of us tend to be distracted so easily by the circumstances, by the difficult situations. Like Eliab was trying to distract David from the real cause. And the enemy has designed subtle schemes and strategies to take our attention off the cross and to focus on the crisis. It's going to happen to us. Maybe it is happening right now to some of us. But let me tell you, do not focus on the crisis. Focus on the cause. The average person might have taken issue with Eliab's attitude, but David was focused on the real cause. Look at verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Are you taken up with me that I am here and not concerned that this Philistine stands before the army of Israel mocking our God? Had David focused on the battle with his brother, he would have been distracted from Goliath. And in verse 33, look at verse 33. Saul looked at David and said, David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he has been a man of war, a man of war from his youth. But he's right. Saul is right. David cannot fight Goliath, but David knows somebody who can. David knows somebody who can. We, human beings, can only see the externals. We cannot see the heart like God. God is ready to use a willing heart in every circumstance, in every situation. God looks beyond whether you are from Canada, whether you are from the United States, whether you are from St. Vincent, whether you are from Haiti, from Africa, or from the Caribbean, God looks inside and sees the heart. David is just a little shepherd boy, but he trusted God. Loved ones, to see God erase your giant, you must walk by faith and not by sight. And you need to remember your past victories. 
Look at verses 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, <coughs> sorry, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he, if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Verse 36. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And in verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this, of this Philistine. Loved ones, David described how God has proven himself faithful in the past and had given him victory over the lion and the bear. Look at the difference when you walk by faith and not by sight. King Saul began to repeat his excuses why he, he, would not, he should not fight Goliath, but David began to remember what God has done for him in the past. And one commentator said, David kept a spiritual file in his mind and heart of the things that God had done for him. And I can see David as he listens to King Saul coming up with reasons why they should not fight Goliath. David goes over to his spiritual filing cabinet and of his mind and heart and looks under the B-file. He remembers how God had allowed him to defeat a bear that had attacked him, that had attacked his sheep. Then he goes to the L-file and he remembers how God gave him strength to defeat a lion that took one of his sheep. And I can hear David, after listening to King Saul and his excuses, tell him, King Saul, you're right. King Saul, you're right. I am just a teenager. I am just a little shepherd boy, but I would like to share something with you. There was one day, there was one day, a bear and a lion attacked my sheep. A bear attacked my sheep and took one of them. But God gave me strength to go over that bear, take my little sheep out of his mouth, and I kill him. Soon after that, a lion attacked my sheep, but God, but God gave me strength to look at that bear. Straight in his eyes, I pulled his beard and I killed him. King Saul, the same God who gave me strength to overcome the bear and lion will give me strength 
to kill this Philistine. Let me get him. We all know how the story ends. But I want you to see, to see it for yourself. Look at verse 50. <clears throat> so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. David knew that God could erase Goliath based on the fact of what he had done for him in the past. And I want you to learn a lesson that God was teaching David. While David was facing and defeating the bear and the lion, God was preparing David to face Goliath. And as you look back over the circumstances and situations that you have been through in 2016, you will discover that God was just preparing you to face the giants that you are going to face in 2017 or that you are facing right now in 2017. There are two things that you need to understand about what God is doing in your life. The little battles in your life are getting you ready for the big battles. Number two. Private victories are preparing you for public victories. David had nothing to fear in his present because of what God has done for him in the past. Loved one, faith laughs at impossibilities. Faith is not waiting 100% of assurance. Some of you have accepted the Lord long before and still are waiting to get plugged in in the church to serve into a ministry. Faith is not waiting until your doubts are gone. If you wait, you will wait forever. Faith is seeing the giant, understanding the odds, and then taking that first step. If you can do that, the rest is easy. God will take care of the rest. Faith is not talking about the giant. Faith is not analyzing the giant. Faith is not complaining about the giant. Or oh, you know, I want to do this for God, but I'm afraid because people are going to judge me and I'm not qualified. You may be saying I'm not qualified to be in ministry, but listen, loved ones, none of us is qualified to do God's work. None of us. And we can only do it by the strength that God will provide. Complaining, analyzing, or talking about the giant will never slay the giant. Faith is taking that first step. Knees knocking, hands shaking, with fear and trembling, going in the valley in the name of God. You may not know where you're going. You may not know how you're going to make it. But let me tell you, and you might want to write it down. Faith does not necessarily know. Faith does not necessarily know where it's going, but it knows who is leading. Faith does not necessarily know where it's going, but it knows who is leading. 
Let me ask you something. What is Satan is using as a giant to prevent the realization of God's purpose in your life? Is it your job? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship? Are you, are you struggling to live by faith? Are you running away from something that God has called you to do? Are you struggling in your marriage or are you having financial difficulties or financial problems or relationships in your family? We would like to pray for you. At the end of the service, find one of the pastors here or somebody who is seated next to you. Ask them to pray for you. And this is an opportunity, loved ones, for you to face your giant. You take that first step. Not because you think you can erase your giant, but because you know who can. When I walk by faith and not by sight, I can face my giant. I can chase my giant. And God can erase my giant. Let's pray. God, I pray that you continue to remind us that it is our hearts that matter most to you. God, please continue to remind us that even if we feel weak, we feel small before our circumstances. Remind us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.